You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Now, here's your host, John Ojaka. All right, John Ojaka here. And uh, how about it, Scott? We got a little intro there. Fancy. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do on Fiverr. I know, I know, isn't it, isn't it? All right, uh, so uh, as the man said, this is John Ojaka, and welcome to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. On the line with me, I've got a friend and fellow, what, what, do, what do you call people who do what we do, Scott? Musicpreneurs <laughs> or, or whatever? Uh, a fellow, fellow servant, I don't know, man. <laughs> fellow servant to the independent music community, Scott James. Uh, he's going to be sitting in with me because, frankly, I think uh, you know just having another voice in the mix is a whole lot more fun. Um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about well, we're going to be talking about a couple things actually. We're gonna, uh, first, we're going to be talking about haters a bit. I think that's a big issue for a lot of people um, as they start to experience some success, and even when they just kind of get out there and start marketing for the first time. I think uh, you know when you when you get out there and try and uh, try and get a response you're going to get one and it's not often or it's not always rather going to be what you want to hear and so so I think we're I think it's worthy of having a discussion about haters because you know when when someone flies that negative comment your way it can really send a person off course and, and and stop you from doing things that are ultimately healthy for your career and potentially stop you from being who you are as an artist so we're going to talk a bit about that and then after that we've got an interview with Tyler Palmer from Patreon a company that has been around for a little while but they they've really been picking up steam recently been getting a lot of emails um from from musicians recently asking questions about them they seem to be sort of hitting their stride really hitting a critical mass and so I reached out to them we had a discussion and we're going to share that interview uh, with you guys coming up it's basically a sort of a new take on a crowdfunding platform so um, Scott what is going on how are you I'm good man I'm, I'm uh, out in rural Georgia visiting family right now awesome awesome rural Georgia so it's, uh, yes <laughs> nice well thanks for I'm in the garage right now Awesome. Well, between I can, uh, I can sort of see my notes there, so hopefully, uh, <laughs> between yeah, the the, the glamorous life of the um, musicpreneur, <laughs> people wouldn't believe like <laughs> believe the 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 conditions that I've I've worked in. Like you know, I've done fairly well with my online business, and if you were to look at some of those numbers, you'd you'd probably picture a pretty fancy office. Um, and, and someone living the high life, but there was a time a few years ago where I was literally working out of a closet because, uh, we, we just had our apartment in uh, Los Angeles and I couldn't get any silence anywhere else. And I have this photo of it and it's just hilarious to me sitting on like, it wasn't even a chair. It was this block of wood in a closet underneath the coats, just trying to get some, get some peace and quiet. That's right. No excuses. No, none Never so um, we've got a little bit of uh, you know the the ever present delay and sound quality issues that seem to follow me everywhere I go with these things because uh, of course I'm talking to you from way down in New Zealand. You're in, uh, as you mentioned, rural Georgia, and I can hear a little bit of delay. Hopefully, editing can um, work some magic there. But um, 
you know, forgive forgive us, folks, if if there are any audio issues. Uh, we will we will get through this nonetheless. But um, let let's talk about haters, Scott. You know, or or trolls, as seems to be the the new moniker for for uh, such people, because um, you know it's it's a big it's a big part of success. Um, there are a few successful people out there that are not really getting. A, a pretty significant amount of backlash. I mean, I think I think that that goes with the territory of anytime you are c- creating an impact on a group of people, a society, whatever that is. You are n- not everyone is going to respond the right way or the way that you want them to. And in fact, it could be argued and often is argued that um, the only way to success uh, or the only way to succeed as a uh, you know, I, I want to say thought leader, but I, I think I think musicians are in their own way thought leaders. You know, they're they're the leaders of a tribe, so to speak, and they represent a certain philosophy. And so, in that respect, I think they are um, thought leaders of a sense. And the only way you can really kind of succeed in those creative realms is to stand for something. And the second you do stand for something, you're going to get some people that have a problem with that. And when you get into marketing, and I see this a fair amount people that musicians traditionally you know they're not really engaged in any kind of marketing performing shows is about uh you know all that most musicians are out there doing until they really kind of put their thinking caps on and and try and learn some of this marketing stuff and aside from the odd heckler which most performing musicians have experienced you really don't you're not putting yourself out there in a way that is going to invite much criticism uh not too many people are going to see play live somewhere or see a a poster on a store window and go, you know, go, go log on to the internet and, and send you a, a lousy email. However, when you start sending out promotional messages, when you start running ads, uh, when you uh, get, a, you know, other people promoting your stuff, you're going to get some backlash, especially in this uh, social media age. I mean, heck, you know, how many jokes are, are made about YouTube videos and how they seem to purely exist for people to leave lousy comments on them. And, and, Nevertheless, uh, when you start doing this stuff, you're going to start getting some some negative feedback, and it really hurts people. I, I've seen a few people go gung ho into marketing, get a couple of do do really well with it. By the way, start seeing sales, and then get a couple of mean emails and freak out that you know they're they're doing something wrong, and they pull back into that shell and they stop doing it, even though it was leading to all this success. And I I think that's a real mistake. Um, and you know, when I first probably got my first negative email, um, it really affected me. I used to not be able to you know, sleep. I, you know, I couldn't think about anything, but that email for, um, you know, the, the, the first day that it came in and I'd craft these long, ridiculously long winded responses to, to every single one and spend a lot of time and energy on, on these, on these people. And now as, as you know, particularly with music marketing manifesto, as that has grown, you know, we, we reach a lot of people with this whole thing that we're doing here and, and my face and name get in front of a lot of people. And so it's really just become something that's part of it. You know, hearing, hearing insults and lousy comments is part of it, but so is receiving a mountain of praise. You know, I get really touching emails every single day, really touching comments, you know, people claiming that this stuff is changing their career and their lives and these kinds of things. Um, But I'll also get, you know, the, 
the horrible, <laughs> disgusting emails and comments and things that, that go along with it. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of what I wanted to, to chat about. What is your perspective on this? I mean, have you personally, you know, you're a musician, you're also out there in the music space, you know, do you get your share of negative feedback? Yeah, so I, I, for sure. I mean, I think the only way to avoid it is by not doing anything. There's, there's uh, actually an Aristotle quote I wrote down. Uh, criticism is something you can easily avoid by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's just part of it. Like, it, if anybody's going to know who you are, like, if you're going to get out there, you're going to get criticism. You're going to get, you know, emails that, um, you know, that sting a little bit. You're going to have haters. That's just part of it. And, you know, anyone who's been in the business who's had any success for any length of time, um, you know, they they just they're used to dealing with that. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother them anymore because they've been through it. So I think it's a process you have to go through. You have to um, put yourself out there. You're going to get criticized and then you're going to get used to it and, and um, you know, and then just laugh about it. Sure. What's your attitude about how to deal with it? Do you do you respond? Do you decide it's not worth any energy and just ignore the emails altogether? Because I know there's different different opinions on how uh, criticism should be handled. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like what you said before, like the first few times it was like, you know, I, I felt like I needed to address everything like at length to like prove what, you know, whatever it was that, um, you know, where I felt like I was coming from. Um, there's actually a, a really good Mark Twain quote that I think kind of puts it in perspective, or I'm sorry, uh, Winston Churchill. He said, um, you never reach, um, you'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. Right. So I think you know, you can't get caught up in it. You can't, I mean, if you're going to get it and if people don't like you, I mean, actually, one of the uh, the best examples of kind of dealing with this with a sense of humor, I think, is uh, celebrities read mean tweets. <laughs> yeah, on, uh, awesome. Ever see that? I have it just the other day, actually, for the first time. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's, it's perfect, and and I think that you know when it comes to stuff like that, that you know you just have a sense of humor about it, and and you know that's it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know that you know what. What I often tell people, because again, with what I teach, what I teach is direct response marketing in a nutshell. And direct response marketing is the act of actually going out and trying to create a response. Every single thing you do is about getting a person to take action. Um, in other words, to respond to some request. And while many people will take the action that you're hoping they take, not everyone will. Many will be resistant. And when that happens, especially if it's in some public forum, like in social media, or uh, even in a communication sort of forum, like e as would be the case with email, you're going to get some backlash. Um, what I always tell people is ignore the, that negative and, and purely look at the positive sort of um, stats, meaning let's say you're running a promotion, you're, you're pushing an album release, or maybe you're just running some kind of a discount uh, for a few days on an album. If you are seeing conversion rates, meaning sales ratios on par with what you expect to see, you know, what, what constitutes a good conversion rate, um, then a apps, I believe you should absolutely ignore the negative feedback. If you're not seeing 
the positive being where it sh should be, then maybe you take into consideration, uh, you know, what the haters are sort of saying. So, uh, in other words, let's say you've got a thousand people on your mailing list and you want a promotion and you're hoping that you're going to get a 10% conversion rate, or let's just make that number low and say a 5% conversion rate. So, uh, if you sell 50 CDs when you run that promotion, um, but you get uh, five emails from people telling you to go to hell, then I really think you ignore, absolutely just throw the go to hells out the window and the, those those uh, 50 sales tell you that your message is ultimately on point. Now, if you were running a promotion and you didn't see any sales, you know, you saw three sales and you're scratching your head going, what's wrong? And everyone was emailing in saying, you know, how dare you use that tone in your email? And, and perhaps a joke fell flat or something like that. Then, of course, I think, you know, there's some room for criticism and growth through that criticism because um, we're you know we're all going to make mistakes we're all going to miss our market we're all going to um, take a stab at something uh, make a joke that doesn't land I remember um, th this isn't quite um, quite uh, the topic on hand but it sort of fits was I this is years ago and there was it was Thanksgiving and I ran a poem uh, from William S. Burroughs that was just Really, like I'm a, I'm a holiday geek. I like Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that stuff. And and this poem was just, you know, it's William S. Burroughs. It's nasty, and it was, it was just about, <laughs> eat, eat, I don't know, eating passenger pigeons and buffalo carcasses, and it was, you know, and all the atrocities people did to the Indi you know, white men did to the Indians, quote unquote, and and all this nasty stuff. And and I led with that poem, and at the end of it. Um, made a joke like i don't know what was going on at, at mr burrow's house but you know in my house it was blah 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 and i filled it filled it in with like some happy theme but what i found is that like no one was reading to the end of the poem they were just reading the first few um sentences and they were disgusted with me for being so negative you know i don't have i, I don't have a particularly ornery tone with my fans or with my music or anything like that. So they were like really bummed out <laughs> with me for putting this out there. And every single person I had to, you know, no, I, I, I read on. I didn't, I wasn't saying that read the rest of the post, but you know, it didn't land well and you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. So of course there's room for, for constructive criticism. And even, even in the midst of all that, there's a difference between trolls and people that are supporters but, you know, that are ultimately disappointed with some tact you took or something that you've had to say. Um, and but, you know, even within that, there's there's re you really got to be careful because I remember running a promotion years ago and and I was hitting pretty hard. You know, it was a release and I was emailing uh, every day for about a week just to really make sure that uh, I moved as many copies as I could. And you start to you start to you know i've i had gone through this and i knew i knew the marketing rules i knew that the final days of the promotion tend to be as big if not even bigger than the first couple of days of the promotion that's that's usually how these things go those are a big important part of the, that launch whenever you end up taking that discount or bundle or whatever it is you're offering to make to to make the deal um even better during that first week of of the launch if you choose to take that tactic which I sort of usually do whenever I'm putting out something new um, but uh, I know I, I know 
what the arc looks like and I knew the marketing, but I still, you know, I was only a few years into it all and I still had my ner- nervousness about the whole process. And you start getting emails, understandably, from some folks who are like, uh, yeah, I get it. I don't need any more email. And somebody wrote some kind of nasty, but kind of nasty email about me sending out too many emails. Um, but it wasn't just barking, you know, there was some, he put some thought into the message. He, you know, he wasn't being overly critical or gross. He was, but he it was certainly negative. And I took it on board and I was like, whoa, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe this is the wrong way to go. Oh, he's right. I mean, I'm emailing too much. And, and then I kind of, shook it off and went, wait a second, I know, I know what I'm doing. This is, this is marketing 101. You, you got to remind people because it's too easy for people not to take action and they just don't. They'll tell you they want one thing, but they'll act different. They'll act inconsistent with what they say they actually want. So stick to the plan and send out that final email. And I did, and I made another couple thousand dollars, which at the time was a lot of money. And, uh, I, had I listened to this person's advice and not stuck to my gut on this, uh, I would have lost thousands of dollars. So again, you know, there's different levels of this, you know, they're just the sheer gross negative people that are irrational and not saying anything of substance. And then there are the people that are pretty critical, but are actually putting some thought into their messages. They're not just trying to um, be disgusting. They're actually genuinely critical of what of something that you've done um and but but i think ultimately all you can do is keep your own counsel know why you're doing things be be on the lookout for some pattern that is presenting itself in terms of you know repeat criticisms or something like that but but even then you know i'm going my mind is going through all the most successful people of our time and their their criticisms whatever whether it was uh you know uh Plato or uh, Bill O'Reilly, you know, to use two juxta, uh, juxtaposing um, people, um, you know, whatever their criticisms are that they're probably getting, there's probably some consistency there. So I don't know, as long as you know who you are and what you're doing, I don't know how much energy it's worth putting into any of this stuff. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think the important thing is not to overreact. You know, I mean, there's a difference between feedback and hate, and the hate you can basically just ignore um, for the most part. And when it comes to actual feedback, I think it's important to keep things in perspective and to, you know, to not, um, you know, just overreact to one criticism, you know. But, but think about it like, you know, I put your business cap on and think about it like a CEO taking feedback about the direction of their company and, you know, just what if one person, you know, has a problem with one thing and, and um, you know, writes a, a nasty email or, um, you know, or tough feedback, consider definitely, um, but, you know, keep it in perspective, too. That's, I think one of the biggest mistakes that's easy to make is to overreact. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I really, it really bums me out. I really hate to see somebody um, running a promotion or something. It's their first one and they get an email or two from someone saying you're emailing too much or accusing them of spamming them, which of course they're, they're not if they're engaged in any kind of permission based marketing. Um, and it just breaks their heart. You know, musicians are not normally marketers. They're music people. They're, they're creating art from this really touchy feely place inside of them. And then they put on their business hat and they try and get out in the world and they're not it's not intuitive. They're not naturally comfortable with um, with wearing that hat, and so all it takes is one sort of 
mean or, or critical email to just totally knock them off the course where they, I've seen it happen quite a few times where people who are doing well with this, who are seeing sales for the first time, suddenly uh, pull back and stop doing it and then just go back to the old, I'm just going to play shows kind of approach because of one or two emails. But you do get over the hump, you know, you do um, start to, uh, again, become some, somehow comfortable with it because uh, you, you, I, I really just see it as a sign of success. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a good quote. There's something that, uh, this, uh, I know you know who he is, but, uh, for those out there who don't, um, uh, Evan Pagan is his name. He's a, a business and, and marketing guru. And one of the things that he says is to alienate your non prospects. And what he means by that is that, when you're doing your marketing, when you're sending your emails, whatever it is you're doing in marketing, you, sh- you should speak so clearly to the people who are going to ultimately buy from you that it should alienate everyone else. So you can, if you're, if you're really speaking directly to those people, you can expect to get brushed back from the people who are not those people, and that's okay. Yeah, in fact, that's a great quote. And I don't know if it was you who sent that to me recently or it was just something I coincidentally saw recently. But, um, but yeah, that's a fantastic quote, and it's definitely true. Um, so let's have some fun with this before we move on to that um, interview with Patreon. And let's read a few. <laughs> a few. Uh, I, thought, I thought we'd um, lower that, th- that pain threshold for folks by sharing some of our own uh, hate comments and emails and things like that that we've gotten over over time i know that it certainly makes me feel better when i see somebody else fall on their face because then i don't feel so bad uh, for having my own fumbles um so i I, believe me i have had my share of nasty emails and comments and like i said i really to some extent i mean it's not i don't know if one would ever say it's their favorite thing but it really truly it doesn't it's not the stab in the heart that it once was and to a certain extent it can almost be fun because there's so much irrationality in 99.9 percent of it it is like those um that jimmy kimmel um what is it called again? The celebrities read mean tweets or, or whatever it is. There, there's, it, it is so much like that where you just yeah. – it's shocking and humorous that people are, are putting the kind of energy that they are into these things that they're saying. And furthermore, that they're comfortable saying it on their Twitter or Facebook page is often – um, stunning to me. And, you know, if you want to get some, some hate um, – some hate, uh, go and run a Facebook newsfeed ad. Why don't you? Because I've been running a lot of Facebook newsfeed ads and my God, you know, and it's somewhat understandable. At least you can understand the psychology behind it. People don't, you know, they don't like seeing ads in the newsfeed. They're not used to it. And this is something that Facebook's got to deal with. And I believe that they're coming out with something if if it's not already out that allows you to block ads from your newsfeed. Um, so that will be interesting to see how that affects, um, Facebook PPC, but, uh, you know, um, when an ad pops up in their newsfeed and they, they really didn't sign up for it, there's this feeling about amongst Facebook users that, Hey, this is my space. I, I don't want to see your damn ad and you will get some outrageous stuff. I mean, it's just hilarious the stuff that, that I'm getting. You'll also see some nasty comments when people unsubscribe from your newsletter. There's some fun ones that definitely come in there. And, uh, you know, uh, it's less emails. You know, you get, I get the odd one, but I don't get too many terrible emails. It's really more those anonymous kind of um, or semi-anonymous kind of posts where somebody's reaching out on uh, Facebook or Twitter or YouTube and almost 
one would think showing off for their friends, although I don't know what kind of friends some of these people have based on the comments that they leave. But um, I don't know. How you wanna, you, how, what do you got to share? How, you got a lot? You got just a couple? You want to kick this off? Yeah, I just have a few. And, and yeah, I mean, the same experience here. It's like usually don't get them by email so much, but definitely like YouTube is a good one. I was, I was going through looking at some other ones, uh, look at some of the ones on, uh, on YouTube. Um, yeah. So, uh, you are a douche. That was, uh, that was one of my favorites. Uh, you Pretty suck. Sweet. Um, the guitar player is <laughs> the guitar player is an asshole. Someone needs to tell him he's a complete unknown. Um, and then, uh, I remember one, <laughs> I, um, I, I spent, uh, this is when I was first website and I spent so long this like, you know, elaborate flash, uh, website for, you know, um, one of my first, you know, sites for my own music. And I remember the first email I got, um, I don't remember, I couldn't find it, uh, but I don't remember what, you know, the bulk of the email says, and then at the end it just says, and your website sucks. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh. nice. But now, you know, I, I just, I just think it's mostly funny. Right, right. Well, I've got some here. A lot of these came in for Music Marketing Manifesto, folks, just again, because I'm running so many ads with MMM that, you know, I get my share of them. This is a mix of different things. Some come from, uh, most most of these are Facebook ad uh, or Facebook post comments. Um, A couple are like uh, emails and uh, Aweber unsubscribes. But, um, this is a fun listen. I should warn everyone, like, if you don't like swearing, now's a good time to, um, you know, skip ahead for a couple of minutes because there's, <laughs> there's going to be some swearing. Um, so this one comes from Robert. I'll leave folks' last names out of this. But 13 years ago, I had radio press and tours and still sold nothing. I can fail just fine without Keanu fucking Reeves' help. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, I got another one here. Uh fuck off out of my news feed straight into the point um let's see from from james you're just another douchebag trying to make a buck fuck off um well yeah (laughs) i I don't know when that became a bad thing you know uh, the douchebag part i get but but trying to make a buck Um, dare you try to make money imagine saying that to like a uh like a cop or something. You're just a douchebag trying to make a buck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, from Forrest, we have can't trust anyone with a haircut like that. Um, and then we've got um, from Ian, a, a nice and simple fuck you. Uh, <laughs> and from the other side of the pond, we have bugger off from Jerome. And then we have uh, more in, uh, detailed uh comment here from a Thomas saying no more of this brainwash marketing please it's crap and will help no one but you dear John well done though maybe you can even boost your credibility by allowing the odd negative or critical statement on your comment list it might distract even more people from how much of a loser you are god bless cunt (laughs) (laughs) what the hell um Okay, so then we have um, um, one from Adam. Now, Adam is a repeat. He pops into my uh, uh, comment thread quite often, actually. Um, And uh, in this one, he says, Never trust a man over 30 that uses hair straighteners. 
Um, for the record, I my hair my hair is naturally bone straight, Adam. But thanks. Um, and then just a, a <laughs> I uh, do so. Uh, and then we have the uh, straightforward fuck off dick and um, my personal favorite not quite uh, a a, a hater but I just just love seeing this in my feed was there are green turtles living in my garden Uh, uh, that sounds like something I I used to uh, have a science teacher that used to uh, I suspected that he didn't read the actual papers that that we were writing and I put something just like that in the middle of them Right. And sure enough, give me a give me a an A on it. <laughs> well, there you go. So anyway, you know, just really trying to have some fun there. But the point was just to show you, you know, if you ever do get that nasty comment on your on your ad, I see, I've seen a lot of people uh, or heard from a lot of people that say, yeah, I ran some ads, but I really got some um, backlash on, them, so I stopped running ads. Well, if you stop running ads, you're not going to get any traffic. You're not going to see any sales. You're not going to have any career growth. You're not going to fill up those clubs. You're not going to be the artist you ultimately want to be like don't don't let this kind of stuff slow you down just look at the numbers you know if you're seeing the sales if you're seeing people signing up to your list if you're getting that positive feedback this stuff shouldn't affect you and everyone is getting it you know so if you get that negative uh comment if you get that that uh email that comes in so long as you're being true to yourself you know what your ultimate purpose and, and message is, um, I, I just, I don't think that there is any point in taking much of this stuff on board. It's just gonna, it's just gonna deter you from ultimately being the artist you want to be. And like the several quotes, uh, Scott brought up, you know, you just, you, you can't, uh, do anything, uh, excellent or unique without upsetting some people. You know, that's why the, that's why it's called the status quo. You know, you, if you're going to, do something different if you're going to be unique if you're going to be special if you're going to ascend to anything more than average you're going to you're going to upset some people and again there you know there are two types of 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 haters and there's different kinds of negative feedback there's the kind of stuff you get for being a certain type of artist and being a certain type of person and then there's the stuff you're going to get for the moves that you make with your business and uh you know I, I think that people that are reasonable with you deserve to be heard, and it's it's not to say that you know you never ever take anything on board. But if a person is just being ridiculous or just trying to drag you down, throw it out the window. Don't spend any energy on it, and just just move on and focus on all the positive that will be happening around it. Um, with that in mind. Uh, we were supposed to actually kick off this episode with it, but um, as Scott knows and none of the listeners do, I, I, I showed up an hour late for this um, podcast episode, so I'm incredibly unprepared and uh, didn't have my notes in front of me. But um, we're we're trying to introduce this sort of weekly review. The, um, one of the things that helps uh, this podcast out, helps me out with Music Marketing Manifesto, is those iTunes reviews. If you like this podcast, if you like everything you're hearing, and you can head on over to iTunes, just type in Music Marketing Manifesto, rate the podcast, and leave a leave a review there. That that really helps us in the whole iTunes algorithm. It, it, it helps the, sh- the show, um, helps us get more listeners, and really just helps the cause, helps me. So if you wouldn't mind leaving a comment there, I'd really appreciate it. If you have any questions that you'd like uh, addressed in future episodes of the podcast, you can ask them there, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll take those on in future episodes. Um, but uh, uh, in that spirit, I wanted to give just a shout-out uh, once a week to a new comment that's come in as a, as a thank you. So what do we got this week, Scott? 
We've got one from Proverb or Proverb. Hope I'm saying that right. Um, and Proverb says, "And I am instantly hooked. I love John's passion and the guests that he has on the show. Music Marketing Manifesto is a proven system that works, and John shares critical information for musicians that want to operate like a business. Great work." End quote. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Proverb. I really appreciate it. And, and once again, if you've got some feedback for, for the show, uh, please, uh, please head on over to iTunes, type in Music Marketing Manifesto, and go ahead and leave that review. And then once more, if you have any questions, leave them there, and we'll, we'll address them in a future episode of the podcast. So thanks very much. Um, all right. So without um, further ado, I think it's time we jump in and uh, listen to this interview that I did with uh, Tyler over at uh, Patreon. Are you familiar with Patreon, Scott? I'm not. <clears throat> well, it's an interesting platform, and obviously the interview will sort of uh, take care of this, uh, so I'll, I'll try to be brief. But basically, it's somewhat similar to Kickstarter, but it is all based around a recurring model. So much in the spirit of the old um, uh, patrons uh, of the arts back, you know, in the um, a long time ago days. <laughs> How do you say that? But I don't know when, when, when that was <laughs> in vogue. <laughs> the, the, uh, it was the 1800s when that was probably at, at its peak. Um, we had these patrons of the arts, these people that basically supported these artists uh, that wouldn't have survived in a capitalist market, and um, yet the the sort of upper class um, kept them in business by supporting their art, paying them, and and allowing them to make art, whether they were composers or painters or um, whatever type of artist they might have been. And and that is where many of the great artists of the ages come from. They were supported by these patrons, and so um, they've kind of taken this concept and mixed it with Kickstarter and so the idea in a nutshell and again it'll be explained better in the interview is that if if I want to let's say I make uh, I like making music videos or even just something simple and writing songs but you know uh, I, I kind of need some financial support if I'm going to keep doing this I can reach out to my crowd and, and say um, that I would like them to donate a certain amount of money per song um, and they can set a, a limit on you know how much they're comfortable paying per month and then I can go and that gives me a license to go and create content so if you're a blogger if you're a songwriter if you make music videos whatever art is that that you make if you have an audience and they want what you have and they're willing to support you um, then they can they can basically donate to your your project and again it's ba it's based on your productivity there are other ways you can do it you can do it just per month regardless of the productivity um, but it sort of encourages you to continue making art and financially rewards you for doing so. So it's kind of an interesting platform. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, sit back and listen to this interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Scott, here goes. Okay. On the line with me is Tyler Palmer. Tyler, thanks for uh, being on the call with me. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing really great, John. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I, I uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with us because I've been getting a lot of emails about uh, about your company. So why don't we just kind of jump right in here and why don't you tell us about Patreon, what it is and, and how it works and how it can benefit musicians. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Patreon is ongoing crowdfunding for artists and creators. Uh, so folks who are creating any kind of digital content regularly, obviously musicians, uh, but we also have 
um, some great web comics on our platform and podcasters like yourself, anyone creating digital content regularly, it's a way for their fans to kind of step up and, and support them and help them uh, keep doing what they're doing and expand and grow their, grow their business, their operation. Great, and so and we were talking uh, a little bit earlier, and you had said this uh, that the Patreon's been around for uh, what uh, since May was it? Yeah, that's right, uh, May of 2013. Uh, our co-founders uh, Jack Conti, who's half your audience probably knows of half of the band Pomplamoose uh, on YouTube, and also has his own uh, successful independent uh, solo YouTube channel. Jack Conti um, got together with his freshman year roommate from Stanford, Sam Yam, who's a serial entrepreneur. And uh, Jack went to Sam with this idea back in May. And Sam spent two months coding and, and built up and dreamt up Patreon. And, and here we are about nine months later um, with some great momentum and, and almost over, I think we just passed 10,000 artists and creators now on Patreon. So wow, that's great. Really yeah. Exciting stuff. I know, and again, this is something we were talking about um, earlier, but uh, I know that it's one of those things, you know, I, I'm out there, I get a lot of email every day. We're talking hundreds of emails coming in every day, and all of a sudden, I, I don't know if it was just coincidence or, or if you've hit some sort of critical mass, but all of a sudden I'm getting blasted all over the place and, and different sort of, you know, and from customers and from members and forums and, and, and social media, uh, people asking about the platform. So it seems you guys are definitely hitting some stride. Um, why don't you kind of just walk me through the process? I assume this is sort of built on the patron of the arts principle. Uh, and you could probably talk about the, the history of that better than I, but many of the great artists and, you know, be them the musicians or sculptors or painters of the, of the ages uh, were supported by patrons. It was, it was rare that they were finding ways to engage and survive with the market as pure capitalists, but rather they had a few people that saw their genius and wanted it to be out there and perhaps wanted to consume their, their art themselves. And so they supported that art. And I, I presume that this is somewhat built on that process or on that concept. It's, it's built 100, it's built 100% on, on that concept. Uh, we're really trying to bring patronage back to the 21st century and, um, and have artists and creators of all types be able to better make a living doing what they love. You know, our mission, I, I think, I think that everyone benefits, you know, I think, I think the whole planet benefits when creators can create. And in this digital age, you know, it's getting tougher and tougher with, you know, we don't have to dive into it, but the changes in distribution, it's just really hard to monetize um, and, and, and make a solid living in some of these verticals, whether you're a webcomic or an independent musician, uh, so you have to turn and, and rely on your patrons, on your top fans who, who really want to consume your content and, and watch you grow and, and give you more time to, to build what you want to build and create what you want to create. So that's what we're trying to do with, with our patrons here. And they're just some of the most generous people on the Internet. I, I make it a habit to try and talk to a few of them every single week and get their feedback and how can we make the platform better for you and, and what is it that you want to get, what kind of relationship do you want to establish with the creator that you're backing um, so it's something that we're researching really heavy and diving into so that we can kind of bring patronage back. Because you're right, all the greatest pieces of art um, on, on the world came from, came from patrons supporting it. So um, we're, we're trying to bring it back here in this digital age. That's great. Um, so let's do a little comparison of how this would work. Let, so everyone listening to this is, is presumably a musician or somehow working in the music industry. I'm a musician myself. So 
traditionally, if, if I want to release some music, I'm putting together a collection of songs, an album. Uh, I've got my fan list, and I'm going to put that album out. I'm going to go uh, out to my social media profiles, my fan list, and my existing sort of fan support system, whatever you want to call that, do some shows to kind of rile people up, and I'm going to try to sell that album. And once I'm done with that, you know, the, the bulk of the sales are going to subside, and then it's, it's ongoing promotional effort. Uh, and then eventually uh, I would typically move on to a new album. How would that differ if I was an artist who wanted to use a platform like Patreon to release my music? Walk us through what that experience would be in terms of using it as, as ultimately a sales platform versus the traditional method. Yeah. Yeah. Patreon basically presents a a different, a different um, option for, for an independent musician to release their content. So you were talking about the typical sales cycle or album cycle. You go into the studio for months, you're off the radar, then you come out and you launch this big project. It's not really sustainable, which is something that we're, Trying to um, trying to give the the artist the option to have. So what what I mean by that is, on Patreon, an independent artist can choose how they want to receive their funding, whether it's per song or whether it's per month or whether it's per music video. And these campaigns, you know, unlike Kickstarter's or Pledge Music, which I'm sure your audience is familiar with, um, these are ongoing. These are forever. These are supposed to be sustainable. Um, so Patreon would give you the option as an artist to say you know what, I'm going to break the album cycle. Instead of doing an album cycle, I'm going to go and release. We have people releasing per song. Uh, Natalie Dawn does that. Um, or per music video. That, that's how Jackson has chosen to release. Um, and basically, this gives fans a way to support and engage with you throughout the entire year, you know, rather than a one-time purchase of 15 bucks. They're saying, hey, I'm going to give you one or two bucks per song you release or per music video you release. There's plenty of ways uh, to use it. You can also ask your fans to support you per month, and in that month you can include web passwords or cover songs or original material, et cetera, et cetera. There's just a lot of flexibility um, that we give the artists in terms of their fundraising. So so let's say that I want to do this, I want to put out, rather than releasing an album, I want to kind of make it more my job. Like, I again, imagine some of those those artists of the ages, you know, I imagine that was kind of their process. They'd have somebody funding them and they continuously crank out um, content and for, for those people or per the arrangement that they had. So let's say I want to do something like that. I want to put out a song a month and I need some money to keep myself alive so I can, you know, work on my music full time and not have to flip burgers all day or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, how does that work? So I go out to my base and rather than saying, Hey, um, buy my album, say, hey, I want to make more music for you, but I, you know, I, I need a reason to do it, and frankly, I need some, some funding to do it. Um, go and pay me $1 a song, and I will release a, a song a month, and it'll be a $1 subscription, or, or is it, am I setting the price, or is it purely based on what they want to contribute? How does that work? It's purely based on what the fans want to contribute, and you as a creator or artist have the option to give uh, different rewards or perks per different uh, allocation of funds. So, you know, if someone gives $1, they'll get X. If they get $5 a month, it's $10. Maybe it's a monthly webcast at the end of the month, a live Q&A online where you hang out with your $10 plus patrons. Um, and then other, other creators, you know, do less rewards. Some have five or six different options. Um, you, you just use it, use it how you want. But basically the, the messaging uh, that you give to your fans is rather than asking for 
support of the album or the project on other, you know, crowdfunding sites. Where Patreon differs is you're really supporting the creator. You're really supporting the artist rather than the album. Does that make sense? You're subscribing sure. to the creator and supporting them. And it's it's product release based as opposed to uh, um, a schedule. So if I'm getting people to contribute, it's per song that I would release if those were the terms that I wanted to you know offer, as opposed to once a month. Is that correct? Would it ever be based around the time frame, or is it always based around the release of the actual product? You have the option of doing it uh, on a time frame, like uh, per month, or you could do it tied to the content. Um, about 10% of uh, creators right now are choosing the monthly option mm -hmm. where it's just, you know, they're charging their patrons every single month and, and churning out content every month. The other 90%, the majority, are doing it tied to a release, whether that's one song or one music video. But I like the flexibility of that model because then if you want to take a hiatus or if you're a touring musician and you go out on tour and you can't churn out songs or, or music videos every month, you can, you can take a break. You can take a hiatus and, and go three months without charging your patrons, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of like the flexibility that that would give an, an independent artist. Sure, sure. But 90% are going with the um, uh, per release kind of model. Is that right? Yeah. Right. I can yep. kind of understand that from a consumer's point of view. I understand everything you just said, but as a consumer, you're probably, you know, you're wanting to pay for the content and there's this feeling of, um, I don't know, getting what you paid for. I suppose if you are, uh, for every time that cash register or that virtual cash register goes ding, you are um, actually getting something in, in as a result. Um, so uh, how, how would that differ um, than just say setting up a PayPal subscription um, product or something like yeah. that and offering it through your own system? Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've talked with numerous people who have had the PayPal button option up there. Basically, we've created this interface, this community um, of folks where it's just going to lead to higher conversion to be on Patreon. And I've studied this backwards and forwards, you can imagine, um, and, and talked to a ton of people that have had the PayPal button option up there. But because of the engagement and all the features that we build around, for example, managing your patrons, we give you a patron manager that has all the data and an easy way to communicate with them in a digital good delivery system so you could email different um, peers and different patrons and you could post things exclusively to them and communicate with them um, you're also alongside all of these other, you know, thousands and thousands of artists, um, and we're building out discoverability tools so that, you know, we're going to have recommendation engines by category and, oh, you, you like this guy's song, we recommend checking this guy out. So just kind of being in this world and in this community um, where the most generous people on the Internet who want to support the arts are, that's kind of where you want your page, and that's kind of the response to the folks who currently have, you know, a PayPal button up on their site. Um, that they can just straight up expect better results on Patreon um, just due to the community and the engagement and all the features that we're constantly building out. Another one we just launched was our creation page. Um, it gives the artist a chance to share their music video or share their song on a Patreon page. They can tweet out and Facebook post out that link, and there's a Become a Patron button on there. So it's a clean page. Uh, with no ads, they can stream the song or, or stream the video, and then there's a become a patron button there so that you can grow your patronage and, and you know translate it into dollars just by sharing out your content. 
Great. I, I know that's true with crowdfunding. Um, you know, wh what I do is I focus on direct response marketing for the most part, and I'm always looking at conversions. And I like to generally, with a with a funnel, keep things very simple and uh, focus people around a single conversion. Just you know, purchase one thing with the lowest price resistance point possible, and then once that's happened, then we can talk about you know possibly purchasing other options and adding things on once you've kind of overcome that that initial desire to purchase. However with um, many of these crowdfunding platforms, there is a reputation and an experience that comes along with the platform itself that leads to these higher conversions and these purchases of these bigger packages. Take a, the, the average sort of Kickstarter campaign because everyone knows what's happening when they come to a Kickstarter campaign. There is, it's fun for the consumer to look at some of those bigger packages, especially if they feel a bond with the artist uh, or, or are genuinely interested in um, experiencing it on a deeper level, whatever that might be. Maybe it's dinner with the artist for $1,000. Maybe it's a portrait that that artist is going to paint of you. Um, whatever that, that is, uh, it's fun for the consumer. And that is different than if you were to just offer a series of options on your own sales page, you would see yep. um, a, a lot less uh, conversions because it would be perceived as somebody just trying to get you to spend more money with them as opposed to uh, this fun thing that has this, uh, you know, that, that is established uh, out there and, and has this, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but uh, you know where I'm going it's, with it. It's like, it's, like the, it's like a familiarity and an excitement, you know, around one of these campaigns, whether it's a Kickstarter or a or a Patreon page that I think will lead to higher conversions than a PayPal button or like your T-shirt on your website, you know? Yeah, yeah. When I'm coming to the, you know, uh, uh, the average sales page with a whole bunch of options on it, uh, it, it actually kind of potentially can be a turnoff where I'm going, oh gosh, they want me to spend even more money and now I'm conflicted as to what I want to actually buy. But when I go to a crowdfunding page, the first thing that I think is, oh cool, what are the big options? And I scroll right down to the bottom, you know, to see to see what kind of fun, weird stuff they're offering. So I, I, I can see, especially as a momentum continues to pick up and um, Patreon becomes a household name uh, and a more established way to purchase music or whatever the art form may be, I could see that being, yeah, really, a really fun part of it. And I, I don't doubt for a second that the conversions would be a bit better with a platform like that. Um, so how, how, what's the, what's the mechanical process? You know, how is the content delivered? How is the artist interfacing with Patreon? How, how is the consumer uh, interfacing with it? Uh, walk, walk us through that process. So we've, we've got some music or, you know, we're going to record a new song each month and we want to offer it to our fans. Maybe we've got some other patches. How are we engaging and how is the, the, the patron um, consuming what we're offering? Yeah, I'll walk you through it uh, from the start. Basically, we've we've got a, a really great UX and, and user flow and sign up flow for creators. You you have your band, you, you get your band together, and, and you finally got some songs that you're ready to release. You come to our site, and and you you upload a video that's talking about your Patreon page. You throw in a couple goals, you throw in a couple rewards in your description. You talk about your vision and and why you're. Uh, using Patreon and what you're going to use the funds for, and, and you share you share that, you'd be really transparent. Um, you hit a confirm button, and, and all of a sudden you've got a Patreon page. Uh, it could be done in, in minutes. You know, the, the longest part of it would be probably filming the video. But then um, you got, you got a new post button on Patreon as a creator, and you hit that button, and you tell our system, hey, is this a public post? Is this, is this a public song you want to get out there? Um, you throw in, you know, your SoundCloud link. 
um, and or it could be a paid post, right? If this is um, if this is a post that's going out and you're, you want to charge your patrons card for it, you just tell our system, hey, this is a paid post. It's going to be public or for patrons only. Um, you throw in the title and, and it goes up into your activity feed. Uh, and your activity feed is where your patrons engage with the creators. They can also post fan art. They can post questions. Basically, it's an exclusive stream for patrons where they can interact with the creator and um, posting is super easy on Patreon. Um, you just you just tell our system, you know, how often to charge the cards. If you have a super productive month and you want to put out four songs, you, you you post four songs on Patreon as paid, and we know to swipe your cards uh, four times. From the patron's point of view, if they want to, they have the ability to set their monthly max so that they never go over budget. Um, so, you know, let's say I'm backing band XYZ three bucks per song, and then they release four songs, but I'm only comfortable backing them two songs this month. My month, monthly budget six bucks. I just tell the Patreon system my monthly budget, and we make sure that you never go over. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that that was my first question when I heard about it. So well, wait a second, what if they create a you know a hundred songs and I only wanted to you know kick in a few bucks a month to help the cause? So that's great that you've got that there. Um, yeah, and just as you're talking, I really uh, what I like about it is it gives us an opportunity to again ask for support more than just asking for sales. And when my mind as the consumer looks towards giving money for for some music or some art, it the questions I ask myself are, are not so much uh, how much do I want to pay or can I afford this, but it's just how how much would I uh, can I afford to support this artist? You know, a song on uh, the market is worth a dollar. You know, iTunes has pretty much established that it's worth a buck a song. But if it's an artist that I really like and you know maybe they're struggling to find the the budget to make more music, I would be happy to pay. Let's just throw a number out there and say three dollars a song because. The money isn't really the issue, especially when it comes to art with such a low price point. Whether I'm spending $10 an album or $30 an album, if I, if I really love that band and I really want more content from them, or maybe, hey, you know, because let's face it, it's a big part of this for most of us. If they're a friend of mine and, you know, I know they're passionate about what they're doing and I just want to support that dream, um, it becomes... Yeah, I'm very comfortable spending more, and the, the questions I ask myself are very different than I would if I was going to iTunes to purchase music. You know, I would be asking myself, what could I uh, afford to uh, offer to support this person as opposed to what is this actually worth? Um, and so I, I really can see the potential there. And because exactly. you've got, got that recurring uh, model built into it, membership sites is something that I, I've uh, taught quite a few musicians how to put together and do and I love recurring um, you know it's 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 one thing to have a fan list of 20,000 people and know that you can sell a few thousand copies on the first week of your release it's another to know that you've got $40,000 a year sort of coming in so that you don't have to sort of uh, worry about how you're going to generate uh, additional sales tomorrow uh, you know to, right. to keep yourself afloat um, so what are the fees speaking of, of money uh what does it cost what's it going to cost an artist to offer their their music through patreon uh yeah we we simply take five percent uh to try and keep the lights on here and and uh and pay our pay our servers and uh, bandwidth fees and all that good stuff so five percent um is what it costs and then there's also uh you know we take out the uh credit card and PayPal transaction fees, which we're working every single day to try and lower, but those, you know, might be another three percentage, three to four percent. Um, so artists are walking away with about 91, 92 cents of every dollar. And, uh, 
what's really great is because we've got this great momentum and great growth, we're able to kind of renegotiate uh, every few months to lower our credit card fees for our artists and creators. So we're working on that every single month to get those lower. And, 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 uh, and yeah, that, that's basically what it costs. Um, 5% for us. And then uh, the credit card fees we take out. Great. Um, well, I think we can um, just about wrap up, but before we go, is, is there any advice that you have for musicians who are interested in doing this? Are there any particular campaigns that come to mind where you've seen people um, use the platform really successfully? A- any sort of advice in terms of um, how an artist might might consider uh, using a platform like this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll put my email address out there. I'm, I'm Tyler at Patreon. Um, should any of your artists, if any of you guys have any questions and want to get in touch with us, um, we're here to help with this stuff and help you with, with messaging and vision and, and how to run a successful page. We, we've got over, I think, 140 creators now signing up every single day. Um, so we're becoming experts in messaging and, and launching really great campaigns. Um, Natalie Dawn is, is, a, is a fantastic independent artist and, and friend of mine who, who just uses the platform so, so well. Her page is patreon.com slash Natalie Dawn. Um, I recommend checking hers out, and she's got a great description and goals and, and rewards in there. You want your rewards to be scalable and sustainable, right? We don't want people having Kickstarter nightmare stories where they're running to the post office and going over budget and spending way too much money, and we never want Patreon to become a pain in the butt for any of our artists. So we want to work with you to make sure your rewards are scalable, easy uh, for you to run and fulfill every month. Um, so, so that's what we're here for. So shoot me an email if you have any questions about that stuff. But, but she's a great page to check out, patreon.com slash Natalie Dawn, um, for, for anyone who's, who's thinking about uh, getting a Patreon page up. But we'd love to have you. So uh, feel free to contact me. And, and thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And, John, thank you so much for, for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thanks for, for being here. And, again, if anyone wants to check them out, uh, head on over to patreon.com, a very interesting platform that is really picking up some steam uh, in the crowdfunding space. Um, thanks again, Tyler, for joining us, and um, you have a great day. You got it. Take care, John. Bye, everyone. Cheers. All right. So there you have it, folks. Patreon, a, a very interesting new crowdfunding platform uh, that, that has its own unique spin and I think offers a lot of potential. And there's just something, at least to me, uh, something very just natural about that process. Hey, I have this talent um, and I want to make art of some kind. I just need some supporters. I, I, I think that's a really natural sell. That's a really natural um, exchange. And I, I think a lot of people can make it work for them uh, you know, in a in a fun way. While it's ultimately just another sales platform, as all of these things are, I think um, some of them are they they they're, again they're more natural. They're it's um, it makes more sense. There's less resistance to overcome because everyone kind of understands what they're getting and why they're doing it. I and mean, what were your thoughts, Scott, after listening to that interview? Yeah, I think that sounds very interesting. I'd really be curious to hear if anyone out there is using uh, Patreon. I'd be really curious to hear how your experience has been. Um, and uh, just to clarify, the website, it's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Is that right? That's right, patreon.com, yeah, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, like you said, yeah. That is it. Yeah, I, I suppose that is uh, a little confusing, that spelling, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was thinking maybe P A T R I O N, but um, yeah, I mean, I kind of spell things weird anyway. So. <laughs> right. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, um, 
Well, once again, thanks to Tyler Palmer for doing that interview with us. Um, I, I think, uh, again, uh, people have been bringing it to me. It was like this week, uh, a week or two ago, where all of a sudden my inbox was filled with, it seemed, every few emails was asking about Patreon. So I don't know if they were doing a big press push or, or, or if it's just, again, hitting that critical mass. But it was brought to my attention. I thought it was interesting and um, uh, you know, certainly worth sharing with you folks so hopefully uh you guys got a lot of that go check them out and see what you think um so scott i got i posted while we were listening to that interview just a shout out for some questions kind of last minute there but we got at least one question here uh on facebook and i'll I'll try to do that folks in future episodes so if if you're not connected to the music marketing manifesto uh facebook page that's just facebook.com forward slash music marketing manifesto.com head on over there and click the like button and uh, you might uh, select get notifications from that drop down window so you're sure to be uh kept in the loop on everything we're doing. And whenever we do these recordings, I'll, I'll put uh, shout outs for questions there and include them in the podcast. So this, this question, Scott, comes from Nick. Um, he's asking, he says, besides digital distribution, what are the best ways to get your music to a distributor that deals with big name stores? And I'm interested to hear your opinion on this, Scott, because I don't so much focus on the traditional release and you know the the traditional process i tend to focus more exclusively online you know but but just to throw my opinion into the mix and and somewhat along those lines i mean if you if you did want to go and and chase a traditional distributor who was going to get you into the big big chains what few of them are left um i mean it's somewhat the same process as trying to get a record deal you know you've got to get your album together you've got to get your your package together um i'd probably start with a quick Google search and, uh, for dis- distributors, um, get as big of a list as I could, and I'd start sending out emails and making phone calls. I'd probably try to phone people. I usually do better with that, but if you were uncomfortable with it or uh, couldn't find a number, then I'd shoot off emails and first just try to make a contact and get permission to send in a package. And in that package, what, what they're not going to want to distribute your music unless they think they're going to make some money off of it. And that's the reality of it. So you've got to really in this package and probably on the one sheet that you've got there uh, at the very, if, if, if not just a CD and a one sheet, maybe you've got press clippings and all these other things you want to include, at least have a one sheet um, that kind of has all of the bullet points of your planned campaign, you know, your, your marketing budget, um, radio budget they're going to want to see all this stuff they're going to want to know that you're spending money uh, on the promotion of this so that people will be going into the stores and wanting to buy that album and, and if you're not doing it they, frankly they're just not going to be that interested um and once you have sent that out if you uh, I, I then of course follow up with everyone and hopefully you get a few bites and you can take the conversation from there but again it's really like trying to get a record deal and what i've been trying to do with music marketing manifesto and just my own career and um, just my opinion about marketing in this day and age in, in the music industry is just to sort of say to hell with all of that stuff, to hell with traditional radio, to hell with traditional distributors. Uh, I, I personally would not be focused on that at all. Um, I really, I don't even know that I'm going to put my next album out on iTunes. Uh, I, I, I like to control 
that process. I think that the buying triggers are very different for the average independent artist. I think you are making each sale one album at a time through, and primarily that is going to happen through people that are on your mailing list. And so why go and water down that funnel? Why go and give away a piece of that puzzle? Why go and give your customers to iTunes, Amazon, or whatever record store you're trying to get your music into? When you can control that customer, you can make all of the profit and you can maybe use that initial purchase of an album as an opportunity to sell something else like a membership site or a box set or something right there on the thank you page maybe at a discount you know this is classically referred to as an upsell um this isn't something you see musicians doing a lot but when they do it works and it works really well and you just can't do that when you're not controlling the sales process so i personally am not interested in any of that stuff um there are times where it makes sense, you know, maybe you're trying to make a real impact on your market. Uh, and so it makes sense to have whatever that biggest store left in town that still sells albums, whatever that is, um, it might make sense to try and get your stuff in there. But in that case, I just approach the store directly. So, you know, if you're in Los Angeles, sure, try and get your stuff in Amoeba. There's no harm there. And it'll help with social proof when people in your town are at the record store and they see your stuff there, uh, you know, there'll be something that takes place in their mind where they see you as that much more legitimate. But again, you know, following that whole 80, 20 principle, I think this is the, this is the stuff that it, it's really all gonna, even if it is effective, it's gonna uh, be put in the 20% column. So let's focus on the stuff that's gonna lead to 80% of our income. And I don't think traditional distribution is that for the average uh, independent um, musician. If you get to the stage where you have really cracked it, where you've, you've created that tipping point, you do become a local or even national name, then it's not going to be a problem. You're going to have actually people approaching you m most likely. Um, and I think, you know, at that point, you can weigh the pros and cons uh, of traditional distribution or even a label but until then i just don't think that this is the area to focus but that that's just my opinion scott what, what do you think uh, about that you're a little more plugged in i think to some of these more you know broader traditional moves like music licensing and dis distribution uh, yeah i mean i think when it comes to that kind of distribution it's a it's really a different ball game it's a different strategy and and i don't think the answer to your problems is going to be getting your cd in walmart so much if you're an independent musician um you know for one they're not going to want to sell it unless there's already a demand and you're going to have to have a pretty big budget to create that demand um so i think really that's that's you know that's a different strategy entirely and um you know in probably 99.9% .9 of all cases for uh, independent musicians who are trying to make a living at the music, that's probably not the way to go. And like you said, they'll probably reach out to you first if you're at that level. Right, right. Um, well, cool. I got another question from Ralph on Twitter. He's saying, uh, what is the best way to drive targeted music traffic to your site, sales, funnel, music videos, etc.? So what's the best way to drive traffic? Um, you want to jump on this one first, Scott? Do you have any opinions on, on the best way to drive traffic? Uh, well, I, I mean, uh, online specifically, I mean, you know, Facebook ads through, um, you know, I think uh, w one thing I've seen a lot of people do, um, you know, a lot of people who follow you, um, what they've done is, is uh, doing, you know, promotions with, uh, with each other. I think that's a, a great way to drive traffic. Um, you know, for other people, you know, chances are you have other artists who you're friends with 
who are similar enough that your fan base would probably, um, you know, you'd probably like each other's music. So that's uh, that's a really cool way I've seen people, um, you know, driving meaningful traffic. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, aside from that, I mean, one thing not to be forgotten, I think, is at your live shows, if you're playing out live, um, you know, doing, you know, just the basics, making sure everyone gets offered to be on the mailing list. Um, you know, the people who are already somewhat familiar with you, you want to make sure that you're capitalizing on that and not letting those people go. Um, you know, that's kind of a few that come to mind. Yeah, I think I think you and I are pretty much on on the same page there. I think that uh, you know I I personally love Facebook ads. I'm pretty focused on Facebook ads at the moment. Um, they're simple. They're easy. Uh, I find them to be affordable. I've got a uh, personally you know got a handle on it and. I really enjoy using Facebook, um, and if you want a lot of traffic quickly without a lot of work, then that's a great way to go. Um, I like them over uh, something like Google AdWords, um, you know, quite quite a lot actually for most markets, and uh, definitely for music, I like Facebook ads a lot better. The problem, of course, is there's risk, um, and if you don't have a refined funnel that is, you know, generating a profit, then you're going to lose money. So you know, you need to make sure that you've got your funnel converting before you go and start spending money. Um, but if you do, and if you do have a budget, I love Facebook ads. Again, quick, very easy, um, you're away. You could set up a campaign and a few hours later be, be building your fan base. Um, now, that said, uh, many people don't have money. And like you said, I, I would have probably forgotten about JV traffic, something I've talked about a lot in the past and included in, in some of my courses out there. Um, but but Scott was talking about JV, joint venture traffic. It's basically when you find somebody else with a list and you both cross-promote each other, thus growing your list. And that's actually, you know, that's a great way if you don't have any money but you need traffic right away, that's kind of probably your best option because if you find someone with a big enough list, you can get a lot of traffic very quickly. You can often build a list of thousands of people in, in just a few days if you find the right partners. Um, and it makes a lot of sense, I think, you know, maybe a, a, perhaps a toned down version of joint ventures. It makes a lot of sense for musicians, you know, that the sort of play together. I've always found, and I think this is be common um, amongst musicians, that you tend to have clicks you know you tend to have bands that you play with regularly that make somewhat similar music and it can it, it can really work out well when I don't know there's like a little uh, drama sort of associated with that you get this you get these followings the people follow your band and that band and they're all going to the same events in the same clubs and basically you get these scenes and I think I think when that happens it's a it's a really good thing it's um it's when the music becomes larger than life and the brand becomes really um specific and and clear and the tribe is really defined um and, and i think that uh some cross promotion with bands that work together in that capacity can be really healthy uh if if let's say you're touring with another band quite regularly and you're both cross promoting each other what's going to happen is that when you both then promote that show on the next stop on your tour to your list a lot of these people are going to have there's going to be crossover you know uh, 
fan A is going to be on my list as well as your list. And when they get those two emails saying, hey, come to the show, it's one, there's more value because two bands that they follow are telling them to come down, you know, for one ticket price. So you've increased the chances that you're going to get people in that room. Um, but again, you, you just kind of you you've reinforced the brand, the tribe, the scene that you're ultimately trying to create. And I, I think it's just a good thing all around. So I, I think that there's there's a lot musicians can do um, to cross promote with bands that they tend to be performing with and who make similar music. I think that's a real unturned stone that a lot of musicians aren't um, really uh, you know, it's a tactic that most musicians aren't really utilizing or exploring, and they probably should be. Um, aside from that, you know, the only other real way to drive traffic, aside from the real world stuff that Scott mentioned, like live shows, you know, when, when it comes to online um, traffic, it's content marketing. You, you're you're always either paying for the traffic, or you're paying, or you're you're sorry, you're either creating the the content uh, that will drive the traffic, or you are paying to piggyback on somebody else's content. There's really no way around it. Any of these, you know, offers that you see out there, free traffic or one, one cent clicks and all this kind of stuff, it's garbage traffic. There's, you know, you could go to Fiverr and spend a whole bunch of money on traffic, but it'll be, it'll be absolute rubbish and it'll probably hurt you. If, if anything, it definitely won't help you. Um, but you can you could go and and create keyword targeted videos, blogs, things like that, and distribute them either on your own uh, uh, properties, your own websites, or using free uh, websites, Web 2.0 properties, things like that. Or better yet, as a guest blogger, you know, if you could if you could really sort of drill down some lateral niches that that kind of um, complemented your brand, your tribe. So uh, what I mean by that is, let's say you. Um, I've, I actually have used Facebook graph search to do some pretty interesting market research. And I was doing things like um, pages that people who like John Ojaka also like, you know, um, weird combinations like that. If you haven't used Facebook graph search yet for market research, definitely do it. It's really amazing when you start to see some of these patterns emerge. And I kept seeing the tattoos were showing up tattoo pages were showing up in a lot of these different searches that I, I were doing to, to, uh, that I was doing to find commonality. And I don't have a tattoo on my body and I am not interacting specifically with that market in any way, shape or form. Yet I kept seeing it pop up because fans of a lot of the artists that I like, uh, like tattoos. And, uh, that was a light bulb moment for me. Like, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe I should go and explore that space because they tend to like Johnny Cash, they tend to like rockabilly, they tend to like alt country and a lot of these things that are that are kind of common to what I'm doing as an artist. So I could go and approach not only music magazines, but also perhaps magazines in that space and see if they needed any guest uh, blog posts. And, you know, again, maybe this is oversimplifying it, but I could write an article on um, tattoos of, of uh, famous rock stars, you know, top 10 tattoos on rock stars bodies or something like that um but perhaps not the best headline but um catch my meaning and uh if they selected that then i could get a little byline at the bottom that linked over to my squeeze page and basically it was an ad offering some free music um to those who read the article and get some traffic that way the only problem with content marketing is that it takes time you've really got to stick with it it does work and it's free but it takes time and again yeah just uh, a little more 
mental thought and dedication um, to pull that off. You know, you got to write good content. You got to you got to spend some time creating that content, be, be it making videos or writing. And then you got to find distributors for it. So um, I've done a lot of that in, in my time right now. I'm pretty focused exclusively on Facebook ads just because they're quick and easy. Um, anything more to add to that, Scott? Uh, yeah, one thing that, that uh, to add on to you know the idea of the whole uh, JV thing, you know, something that's kind of a, a little bit abstract, but just kind of a, what I think is, is something that a lot of people you know miss because it's so it's so hard, you know, a lot of times as an independent musician. Where I was thinking about what can I do, you know, to um, you know to improve my situation, and I, I think it's a really good policy. Anytime you have the opportunity to help another artist, to help another band. Um, you know, and to um, you know, to include them in your promotion if you're playing a show with them and doing things like that and just generally being cool to other artists and not to expect anything in return directly, but, that, you know, the general policy, if you're just cool to other artists, they will, you know, ultimately the favor will be returned and, uh, you know, what goes around comes around. So I think it's important to kind of keep that in mind sometimes and, and try to, you know, sometimes get out of that. Um, you know, mode where it's just you against the world and think about how can we improve things together. Sure, sure. Great point. Great point. Um, well, I think that about uh, wraps it up. That's it for the questions at the moment. Um, if you, again, enjoyed this podcast to hear um, you know, more from Music Marketing Manifesto, get more uh, strategies, tactics, and tips uh, for actually selling your music, then uh, by all means, head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. You can sign up to watch a free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. That's a 40-hour, 40-hour, wow, that would be long, 40-minute <laughs> presentation uh, on basically it gives you a complete overview of the strategy that at least I recommend for selling your music primarily online. Um, as mentioned, um, you know, we've had Scott James on this episode with us sitting in. Thank you, Scott. Uh, if you want to learn more about Scott and all that he does, you can check him out at ihelpmusicians.com. Um, any kind of parting words for us, Scott, before we, we call it a, a wrap? Yeah, you know, when it comes to, you know, to negative feedback and haters and all that, I think uh, one thing to keep in mind, if you're not getting brushed back, you're probably playing it Tuesday. So I say go out there and, uh, you know, get it, plow through it, expect it, um, and it's just all part of the process. Yeah, I think that's... Um... I think that's an accurate statement. So, um, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been John Ojaco with the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John Ojaka. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.